this virus, and another 108,000 have died. Our world is in a crisis. If there's any good news about COVID-19, it's that more than 401,000 people have survived and recovered from the virus. And another piece of good news is the fact that medical scientists and researchers around the world, they're working day and night to find a vaccine that may stop the virus. But for right now, the experts tell us that the best way to stop the spread of infection is for us to stay home, to stay in place as much as possible. But here's the other side of that. Staying home is as devastating to our economy as the virus is to our health. And we've seen that play, we're seeing it playing out in real time all over this country for sure, and we know it's happening in other countries as well. Staying in place means people are not going to work, people are not earning money, people are not spending money, and the few businesses that are open, even there's the danger of those employees, those staff folks, perhaps getting the virus from somebody that comes in to pick up something, buy something, whatever it is. So, so staying home is stopping the, 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 the spread of the infection, but that is devastating to our economy. Our federal government recently approved a multi-trillion dollars stimulus packages, package for citizens and businesses. But, but if we need to stay home for several more weeks, that stimulus money will not be nearly enough. And you all know that there's already been talk of approving even more money than the the money that was just approved maybe less than two weeks ago. There's another terrible consequence of COVID-19, and it is emotional distress. Amen. There are families that are separated because of this virus. Somebody was traveling, somebody was visiting, they were in one place, and when the virus came and, and airlines stopped flying and trains stopped moving and buses stopped moving and People were told to stay in place and don't move anywhere. Some folks got separated from their families and in some cases may still not be reunited with their family at this point. Thank God for those who were able to get home, but some are still in that situation. Families can't visit with loved ones in hospitals and nursing homes. What a, what a horrible feeling to know that your loved one is just uh, five minutes or 20 miles or 30 miles or an hour from you, perhaps in a nursing home or in a hospital, but you can't go see them. My mother is four hours away from me. Talked to her just this morning before I came in here, but hearing my mother's voice is comforting because she was in a good mood, but y'all know it ain't the same as seeing her face. Amen. Amen. In, in most places, families can't even have traditional funerals when somebody dies because of the family, because of the virus. So, 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 so this virus is creating emotional distress. This virus has put our world in a crisis. And yet on this day, even with all that I just talked about, on this day we have reason to be hopeful because over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ saved this same world from a crisis. And Christians today should believe that Jesus will once again save this world from this crisis. Amen now. Amen. We should believe, and nobody else doesn't believe it. We should believe that Jesus Christ is going to save this world again from this current crisis. I, and I know some folks don't believe that there's a, um, 
a spiritual aspect to the COVID-19 pan- pandemic, but, but there is. There is a spiritual aspect to this COVID-19 pandemic. This is not just about people losing their lives. This is not just about people losing their homes. This is not just about people losing their jobs or their businesses. This is not just about people losing money. This crisis is also about people losing their souls. Amen now. You you got to understand, there is a soul inside of every human being. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your name is, how much money you have, education, lack thereof, there's a soul inside of every human being. According to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God the Father made all of us living souls when he breathed life into the human body. He breathed life into the body of the first human being. And when he did that, he made us all living souls. Even when our physical bodies die, our souls live on into eternity. In other words, they live forever. And there's only two places where your soul is going to live. Your soul is either going to live in heaven or your soul is going to live in hell. And as Ronald Salem knows, I like to remind us every once in a while, for the record, Jehovah God created both heaven and hell. Some people have this mistaken and wrong notion that the devil is in charge of hell and the devil, the devil didn't create anything. God created the devil. He created Lucifer, the angel. He got big, too big for his britches. He got arrogant. God kicked him out of heaven. He fell to earth and he became the devil. God, Jehovah God, created both heaven and hell. He is the owner and the ruler of both places. Amen. The Bible tells us that if we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, before we die, our souls go to heaven. But if we don't ask Jesus to be our Savior before we die, our souls go to hell. There's nothing deep about that. You don't need a a PhD in divinity or theology or religious studies or cultural studies to understand that it is really just as simply as I just said it. If you ask Jesus Christ to save your soul before you die on this side of eternity, your soul goes to heaven. If you don't ask Jesus Christ to save your soul before you die, your soul goes to hell. You're in a crisis, and you need to understand this. Every day that you live and you have not given your life to Jesus, you're in a crisis. You're living in a personal crisis. Even if COVID-19 was not even going on, if you're walking around this world unsaved, you are in a crisis. Jesus Christ is the connection between the world's crisis in his day and our current world crisis. And I know that's right because in the Book, the same book of Matthew, the same book of St. Matthew in chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus was having a conversation with his 12 apostles. And he was talking about them, talking to them about having fear of people. And Jesus said, people can only kill a physical body. Jesus said, we need to be more afraid of the one. And that's how he said it, the one. He said, we need to be more fearful of the one who can kill both the body and the soul in hell. Those are Jesus' words. Don't believe it? Go go look at it for yourself. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. COVID-19 may or may not 
take your life. But if you die before you give your life to Jesus, he is the one who will kill both the body and the soul in hell for eternity. Amen. During this crisis, along with everything else that you may be doing, during this crisis, I'm, I'm begging every unsaved person, and I don't mind saying, like the temptation said, I ain't too proud to beg. I'm begging every unsaved person to think about this. Even if you make it through the crisis, you will still die one day. Amen now. Even if you make it through this crisis, you will still die one day. Please don't die and go to hell for eternity when the one who can save your soul is asking you to trust him today. Don't die and go to hell for eternity when the one who can save your soul is asking you to trust him today. Give your life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Please understand, I'm still talking to my unsaved friends, my unsaved brothers and sisters in the human race. Please understand that every saved person was once an unforgiven sinner, just like you, until we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. Every one of us, we don't have any advantage over you. We're not holier than thou. Some of us may act that way, but we're fooling ourselves. No, no, no. All of us are unsaved. We were unsaved sinners then because now we are sinners who are saved by grace. We were just like you until we recognized that we were sinners. We understood we needed to be saved, and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And let me just define sin just really quickly. Very simple definition. Sin is if what I think and what I say and what I do if any of those three areas of my life, if they are contrary to God's word, that's sin. Now, you can make of that what you will. You can examine your own life and see it for what it is. But if the things that I think, if the things that I say, though, I mean the literal words that come out of my mouth, and if my actions, my behavior, if, if any of, in any of those three areas of me, if I am contrary to God's word, then I am in sin. So that's what sin is. Jesus Christ saved this world from a spiritual crisis over 2,000 years ago. That crisis was caused by the collective sin of all humanity. All of humanity was doomed to die and go to hell. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. St. John, the, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 3, verse 16, most people know this by heart. God the Father loved humanity so much, he sent his son, his only begotten son, Jesus, to be killed. He sent Jesus to be murdered for our collective sin. Those words sound harsh. Those words may sound raw. Those words may not be words that you often hear people say because most of the time, you know, we, he was sacrificed, he was crucified, he was, he was all those things. But the reality was he was killed. He was murdered for the sins of all humanity. And on that day we now call Good Friday, Jesus Christ let sinful men nail him to a cross and plunge a sword in his side. And then Jesus gave up his life. For you and for me, Jesus made it clear, nobody was taking his life. He said, I give up my life so that they might be saved. 
You know, for, for years I've wondered, why do we call that day Good Friday? I, I do. I, I think about it sometimes. I mean, it was good for us, but it certainly wasn't good for Jesus. Amen. I think we should more appropriately call it Terrible Friday, because it was a terrible day that the Holy Son of God had to die for our sins. We ought to call it Hateful Friday, because hateful men, hateful humanity were the ones that falsely accused them and beat them almost to death and then put them on that cross. Although he allowed it, if we had been right, he wouldn't have had to make that sacrifice. So it was a terrible Friday. It was a hateful Friday, in my opinion. And then the next day was Sad Saturday. Saturday was sad because Jesus' disciples were sad. Jesus was still in that tomb. His body was still there. And as far as they knew, all hope was lost. So the next day after Terrible Friday was Sad Saturday. But the Bible tells us that early on the next morning, on Super Sunday morning, everything changed for the better. According to Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, which is where we are today, two women named Mary went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. They were going to put oils on his body. When the women got to the tomb, an angel suddenly appeared, and he rolled away a large stone that was covering the tomb. The tomb was built into the ground. It wasn't above ground. It was below ground. So they had, they had pushed a huge stone over the opening. Uh, I heard it said this morning, in fact, David Jeremiah said this morning in one of his broadcasts, uh, the, those who know such things estimate that stone probably weighed between 1.5 and 2 million pounds between 1.5 and 2 million pounds. And this angel came and just easily pushed it away and, and got up and sat on it. Amen. So there's this angel sitting on top of this huge stone, and he tells these two women that Jesus wasn't in the tomb because he had risen. Hallelujah. He had risen just like he said he would. Jesus had told the folks he was going to rise back from the dead. But like I said last Sunday, it's like sometimes people tell us stuff, it goes in one end, it comes out the other. You know, we hear it, but we ain't really getting with it. We're not feeling it as we like to say. Jesus told them, but it hadn't happened yet. So for some people, it wasn't real. But the angel said, Jesus has risen just like he said he would. When Jesus got up on that super Sunday morning, hallelujah, he saved our souls, and he killed the crisis. Yes, he did. He saved the souls of all humanity, and he killed the crisis that the world was in. He gave us when he got up. When he got up on that super Sunday morning, Jesus gave us supernatural power. That's from Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, because Jesus says, whatever we bind on earth, is bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth, talking about you and me who are saved, we can loose it in heaven. He gave us supernatural power. When Jesus got up on that super Sunday morning, he gave us boldness to ask him for whatever we want. St. John chapter 14, verse number 13. St. John 14, verse number 13. Jesus said, ask me whatever you will in my name, and I will do it so that the Father will be glorified through the Son. Jesus said, ask me whatever you will, and I'm going to do it because I want my Father to get the glory, and I'm going to be the one that gives it to him. Amen. When Jesus got up on that super Sunday morning, he gave us confidence not to live in fear. 
St. John chapter 14, verse 27. Same, same chapter from St. John 14, 14 and verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. In other words, Jesus was saying, I ain't like folks. I don't, I'm not an Indian giver. I don't give you something, then turn around, take it right back away. And then he said, let not your hearts be troubled, and don't let your hearts be afraid. Amen. Jesus got up on that super Sunday morning, and he empowered us in so many ways. We ought to just say, thank you, Lord, for the power we have through and by the name of Jesus. Today on this Super Sunday morning in 2020, every Christian should shout with joy because Jesus Christ is alive and well. Glory, hallelujah to your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you and we adore you. Thank you, Lord, for getting up and saving a wretched sinner like me. Lord, I don't need to talk about anybody else. I can just say thank you for myself, Lord Jesus, that you saved my soul. Amen. I told you last Sunday to shout because the miracle was coming. Well, Jesus was that miracle, and Jesus is that miracle that we needed to survive the COVID-19 virus. Amen. Jesus is the miracle. So we should shout on this Sunday morning because the miracle has come. Jesus Christ was a crisis killer back in his day, and Jesus Christ is still a crisis killer this very day. I know that's right because Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same when yesterday, today, and forever. He was a crisis killer back then. He's still a crisis killer. You can believe it or not. I know he is. Jesus Christ has already provided the solution for this situation. We just got to keep our faith in him and keep giving him glory and wait and let for him to tell us what to do or wait for him to do whatever he chooses to do. He's a crisis killer. As we continue to live through this crisis, don't let live in fear about your health or about somebody you love, the health of somebody you love. Not saying be foolish, not saying run on into church just because you're trying to prove a foolish point. Be obedient and listen to what the men, what men have told us is best, and their knowledge comes from God, but you don't have to walk around in fear. Amen. Put your trust in the crisis killer. If you're worried about the fact that your food may not last until the end of the crisis, you're worried that your money won't last until the end of the crisis. If you're worried that your patience, Lord knows that's a tough one, that your patience won't last until the end of the As some of these parents got to stay home with their own wild children these last three, four days, they'll tell you something about patience. If you're worried that your patience won't last until the end of this crisis, if you're worried that you might not have a job when the crisis is over, stop worrying about all those things and put your trust in the crisis killer. Amen now. That's all you got to do. Whatever problems you had before COVID-19 rocked our world, and some of us had some kind of all kinds of things going on, even before this pandemic came upon the world, some of us had some real serious things, and we still got them in the midst of this. Stop worrying about all that stuff. Don't be depressed or stressed. Put your trust in the crisis killer. Let me tell you how to put your trust in the crisis killer. Get ready now, because this is going to sound heavy. This is going to sound spiritual. This is going to sound real deep, but I got to share it with you. Here's what you do. Have a little talk 
with Jesus. Tell them all about your troubles. Jesus hears our faintest cry. And Jesus, if we trust him, he will answer by and by. And then we know that just a little talk with Jesus, the crisis killer, will make it right. In other words, go to God in prayer. Go to the Lord Jesus in prayer. Tell him what it is that you need. Tell him what you're concerned about. Ask him to give you peace. Ask him to make your food last. Ask him to make your money last. Ask him to give you patience so you don't end up going to jail while you're home with somebody that's driving you crazy or somebody don't end up going to jail behind you. Ask the Lord to do all those things, and he'll do it. He will do it. Those are crises. I know they are, but he's the crisis killer. Amen. I got some witnesses from the Bible that Jesus is a crisis killer. There was a blind man named Bartimaeus. Jesus healed him. He was in a crisis, but Jesus healed him from his blindness. Jesus killed that crisis. There was a woman at the well who had had five husbands, and then there was a man she was living with that wasn't her husband. In other words, the woman wasn't loose in all those things that we said. The woman had self-esteem issues. The woman had all kinds of some social and some personal inner things going on that made her feel less than who she really was. She was in a crisis, and she didn't even know it. But when she met a man named Jesus, the crisis killer, he turned her life around, made her know her value and her worth, and he killed that crisis in her life. There were 10 leopards. They were the social outcasts of their day. They couldn't even be around people. They shouldn't be within 100 yards, maybe 200 yards of people. You saw them coming. You could tell them to go the other way. They had to go away. And all, not only that, they were literally, their bodies were physically being destroyed by this, by leprosy. Things were falling off them. They, were, they looked bad. They smelled bad. They were in bad condition. But they met a man named Jesus the crisis killer, and Jesus changed their lives. He spoke a word, and he turned things around. I want you to celebrate Jesus with me today. Come on now, wherever you are, celebrate the Lord Jesus. Glory, hallelujah to his name. He's the crisis killer, church family. He's the crisis killer, those of you who are unsaved. I dare you to try Jesus. I double dog dare you to try Jesus. You've tried everything else that you can think of. You've done everything else that somebody that you know and trust has told you to do. And none of that stuff works. Stop listening to all these folks on TV, these so-called celebrities, and you going online and they're having days of meditation and they're giving you uplifting, inspirational things to do every day. I'm not saying that's wrong, but above any of all that, you just have a talk with Jesus Christ, the crisis killer. If you need some additional help, Jesus will tell you you need to go help, get some help from somebody, and he'll show you and put the right person in place to help you. That's how detailed Jesus is about your life. That's how he kills crises. He takes care of every aspect of whatever it is that we need. I'm going to the Lord in prayer now. Father, we thank you for this opportunity on this Easter Sunday morning to just say we love you. We thank you for loving us. Lord God, take us through this crisis. Matter of fact, Lord, thank you for already having taken us through this crisis. Give us the patience to wait on you. Whatever it is you would have us to do to bless somebody during this time, Lord, 
Give us the resources to do it. Give us the opportunity to do it. Give us the courage to do it. Doesn't matter if they're saved or unsaved, whether we know them or not. Straight or gay, none of that matters. Use your people, the body of Christ, to be this light in this dark world, in this present moment. Use us to be a blessing within ourselves, but then through the whole world. Thank you for all those folks that you're already empowering to be able to stand on the front line and take care of people's medical needs and their food needs and still the law enforcement officers who are protecting us and, 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 and those who are working in stores. Lord God, even those who are not saved, because we know if you didn't give them breath every day, Lord, they couldn't go. They may not recognize you, Lord, but we know it's because of you. All of it is because they can't do anything they do, Lord Jesus, if you don't, first of all, just give them life. And then you gave them the gifting or whatever talent or resources that anybody has. Somebody writes a check for $5 million, it was your money. It might have been in their name, but it was your money. So, Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You deserve all the praise, honor, and glory. Not a man, not a woman. We say thank you for the folks that you blessed us with and what they're doing. Yes, we do, Lord. But we're not going to fail to give you the honor and glory and praise that you rightly deserve in your name. Amen. 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 If anybody here, and when I say here, I mean virtually, if you're not saved, here's your opportunity. As I said, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if you are living without being saved, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you're in a crisis, and you may die one day, and if you die without having given Jesus your life, your soul will spend eternity in hell. But Jesus got up on, he died on Friday, and he got up on Sunday so that nobody has to go to hell. It is strictly up to you. You can simply repeat this prayer after me. Now, think about what I'm about to say, and you need to be sincere. But if you are sincere, you can repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I do believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of the Most High God. I believe, Jesus, that you got up from the grave on what we call Easter Sunday morning. And I ask you now to be my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I don't know if you meant it or not. People fool me all the time, but you can't fool Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, whoever you are, wherever you are, and you meant it, you are saved right now. Your soul is destined for heaven. Not only that, you're covered by his blood, and you have his favor now on, his, on your life. What do you need to do? You need to start reading his word. Read Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. Read those verses of scripture. Read those chapters of scripture. They'll help you a lot. And do your best to be obedient. Trust him. Take everything to him in prayer. And do your best to be obedient. If you want to know what Jesus says is sin and not sin, all y'all who are technologically advanced, you don't even have to be that advanced. Just Google. Don't Google what does God say, because there's all kinds of gods that people believe in. Google what does the Bible say about, and then you put in whatever it is you're concerned about. And I promise you, you can put in there whatever you want to, and the Bible has an answer for it. Trust the crisis killer, and he's going he's to give you the victory. 
over this coronavirus and the rest of your life until he calls you home. Let us now prepare for Holy Communion. Let us now prepare for Holy Communion. Let us not prepare for Holy Communion. Derek was getting ready to close us out, but just a minute, Derek, that's all right. That might be Derek telling me, shut up, let's go home. But just give me one second. We're going to do Holy Communion, and then we will go home. Amen. To God be the glory. All right. I hope that you have uh, your communion elements with you wherever you are. I want to thank uh, my sister Lisa for being out here yesterday uh, to hand out the the, commu the communion elements, and for those who were able to come, thank you. For those who couldn't, it's all right. As long as you got, like I told you, as long as you got some, something to drink and something to be the body right where you are, you are good with God, and that's all that matters. The Bible tells us that Jesus had a last supper uh, just before time for him to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and then finally to be uh, taken to Pilate's judgment hall, to be falsely accused, to be whipped, and to be taken to the cross. Before all those events occurred, he had a last meal with his disciples, 11 of them. Judas had gotten up and left the room. And after they finished their meal, Jesus took a piece of bread. He blessed it. He prayed over it. He blessed it. And he told them, the 11 around the table, across the route through the, who were still at the table, to take that bread and eat it because it represented his body uh, that was going to be battered and bruised for our sins. And then he took a cup that had what we say is the fruit of the vine. He blessed that cup as well. He did not drink from the cup, but he blessed it. And he, he told each of the disciples to take a sip of the fruit of the vine out of the cup. And he said, this, this fruit of the vine represents my blood that is going to be shed for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. And he said, do these two things often in remembrance of me. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, if you're saved and you're going to participate in Holy Communion. Just know that whether you think so or not, you're, you're worthy to do this because Jesus died. When he died, he made you worthy. Amen? So you're worthy to participate. So with that said, I ask you now to, um, well, let me do, I will do a short prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask now that you take uh, this piece of bread, whatever we may have, cookie, bread, cracker, whatever it is that represents your body, Bless it, Lord. I ask you that you take whatever we may have to represent the fruit of the vine, which is your blood, and bless it. And Lord, we ask, especially on this Easter Sunday morning, that the healing properties of Holy Communion, because we know there are healing properties in communion, we ask, Lord, that you will magnify 1,000 times the healing properties of participating in Holy Communion, both for the bodies of people who are sick with COVID-19, those who are sick with any other sickness or illness or disease, and Lord, of course, for our spiritual well-being, the cleansing of us, and for the, 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 the whole world, Lord. We, we want you to magnify the healing properties of, of Holy Communion to bless and to cleanse this world of this virus. In your name we pray, amen. Let us take this, whatever you have, this wafer, whatever it is that represents the body of Jesus, and eat it together. And let us take whatever it is you have that represents his blood and drink it together. Thank you for being with us on this Sunday morning. If the Lord says so, we look forward to you joining us again. Remember this week, you are blessed and highly favored. God loves you. 
Even if you're unsaved, God still loves you. He's patient and kind and merciful. He doesn't want anybody to perish, and he's just waiting for you to trust him, the crisis killer. Derek? I want to introduce to you right now a close friend and brother. To me, he is one of the best interpreters of song and spoken word. My friend, Pastor Marvin Winans. Be blessed. Everybody say amen. God, God has spoken. So let the church, let the church say, say amen.